0: Greetings, Quester. The Middlesome Meeples present Tome
1: Talk with Richard and Matt.
0: Welcome to Tome Talk. Now, this week, uh, Richard's going to be talking about a book that he's been reading recently and enjoyed greatly, and that's the classic sci-fi novel Space Ranger
1: by Isaac Asimov. Yes, I'm going to talk about Space Ranger. Now, yeah, as Matt said, I've been reading this one recently. I actually read this one this week, and... While I was reading it, I thought there's a lot that I want to talk about with this. Um, I had been saying that I was going to talk about some classic sci fi, and I know Asimov is like the a classic sci fi writer, um, and yet I don't know if this is one of his classics or not. I know it's quite an old one. Fair enough, but... I've
0: got a little Asimov collection myself. I've got mm. about five or six books by Asimov, but until you mentioned Space Ranger, it wasn't one that I. I knew anything about.
1: Yeah, I didn't know about it until I found it in a bookshop, along with its sequels as well. And the sequels had such good titles; it seemed to be named after places in the solar system. Okay. So after Space Ranger, you've got Pirates of the Asteroids, mm-hmm. and then you've got the Big Sun of Mercury, and then the Oceans of Venus, and there's the Rings of Saturn. So it just—it sounds so nice, and like it is classic sci-fi. We were talking before that like, this just seems like the that game um alien frontiers right. it's like and there is the Asimov crater on that mm. in there or something so um yeah and what this is in what is interesting about this is that it is from so long ago it's actually from 1952 wow so yeah it is is five years old yeah it is a you can definitely say that it was a uh, a classic and well It was written a long time ago anyway, and that is very different to a lot of sci-fi that you get today. Yeah. Because a lot of what we understand about the solar system has Mm -hmm. changed, for one thing, and also writing styles changed. And one of the interesting things I thought about this is that it's pre-Star Trek. Yeah. And um, it's hard to imagine sci-fi before that, (laughs) (laughs) before there was Star Trek. And some of the things that happened to David Starr in this was so like what would happen to Captain Kirk
0: <laughs> <laughs> are you suggesting that um,
1: Gene Rodenbury got inspiration from this well not maybe? not just this but it, he must have well obviously he would have read classic sci-fi mm. and this would have been one of the things that he, he would have probably prob- have probably have prepared. read um, it definitely would have been in the zeitgeist at the time and it's, I've heard Star Trek been mentioned as being like a space western just mm. the the way it is with them having the big open space obviously of, of in the space. Original series, yeah. yeah, and they're kind of wandering from place to place mm. um yeah, and this very much did feel like a western in space, really, and David Starr was kind of a classic hero mm. um he got his abilities it's not not like supernatural abilities mm. or anything, he's just a very heroic type guy with lots of. Uh, strength and intelligence, and it's very much implied that he got that from radiation. <laughs> <And> <laughs> well, radiation
0: is well known to be good for
1: you, and it's, it's yeah. definitely known to improve muscular structure and brain function. Um, <laughs> yeah, it worked the... wonders for Bruce Banner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he got his anger issues from that as well. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. not sure if maybe in later books, David's told about that. Mars, oh, Red, Red Hawk? Yeah, 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 that's it, yeah. Uh, so most of this did take place on Mars, and uh, that was one of the other interesting things I. I found about this, was that there's this author's note, which is actually from Asimov from 1970, mm-hmm. and it's basically about some things that they had to, if he was writing it now, he would have had to change. Because of our understanding
0: of of Mars having improved by that
1: point. Yeah, that's yeah. it. So um, he's talking about the Mariner 4. Because when this
0: was first written, we knew very, very little about the Red Planet.
1: Yeah, well, the ones have been able to yet have sent a, an actual probe there mm. there's only like what we've observed from our planet mm. and i don't know if you know about the the thing about the canals but that was just a a, ho- a huge um, misunderstanding basically it's a mixture of a guy seeing things and also using the word canals which meant straight lines but when it's translated it just sounded like canals <laughs> so people just thought it was canals on mars and there's um fissures in this book on the surface of Mars and that's one of the things that um, that David Starr goes down to investigate oh fish uh, fishes i yeah. thought you said fishes i meant yeah fishes yeah yeah
0: i mean i thought you meant fishes as in swimming around in the canals on oh mars. right <laughs> no you, no, you just no, just no not canals. canals no Yeah.
1: we I mean, know there was some running water on mars <laughs> now but yeah not as you yeah fissures to yeah. go down yeah and um I think that's similar to the canals. I think he's kinda of mentioned that we know a little bit more about that now. But mostly it was the atmosphere. So David Starr on the front of this book, he's got a helmet that only covers half his face and then he's just got these oxygen tubes. And basically he just had to go out and then just get a bit used to breathing <laughs> the oxygen out of these tubes. Uh instead of just dying like you do if you try to do that now There's, that we understand. There
0: are some like weird scenes in shows and, and films and things mm. from sort of pre-nineteen seventy. Of and even sometimes at times beyond 1970, yeah, where you get it. like uh, in some of the Jerry uh, Anderson shows, yeah, yeah, your just little walking just walking along, yeah, that's it,
1: yeah, and there's also um, Space X L five and yeah, things like it, that where yeah, just wandering through space and Star Wars, yeah, with the flimsy little oxygen masks <laughs> on an asteroid, so which is there really can't be an asteroid, probably an atmosphere there, probably just found there.
0: The uh, the one aspect of of Star Wars that uh, George Lucas hasn't retroactively changed in recent years. Yeah, I
1: really hope he hasn't read any popular science. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's going to change the entire thing. But yeah, um, so yeah, if George the Lucas is listening th- to this, mm. <laughs> yeah. we may have
0: just given him ideas. We may have to buy Star Wars
1: yet yeah, again. Yeah, <laughs> might have to. Yeah. So yeah, there's the um, the atmosphere actually turned out to be ten times thinner than they thought. Yeah the there is no magnetosphere on Mars, so the atmosphere is just gone. And but apart from things like that, um, which, you know, perfectly understand, like, their, people's vision of what the solar system was like back then is a lot different to what it is yeah. now. I mean, now we've got so much um greater understanding. And it's just been amazing recently when they sent the um New Horizons uh yeah. probe over to uh and had a look at Pluto. I mean that's uh, it's just amazing how much we understand now, but in this, uh, as I mentioned, he got his powers from radiation because they found him as a baby in an escape pod, mm. and he'd got lots of solar rays or something. <laughs> so that's, that makes you really intelligent. And yeah, Mars is the main. Um, they call it the Red Basket in the sky. In in this, not just Mars. There's also some asteroids as well. Where red basket. Are from uh, not red basket. No, bread basket. Bread basket. So it's Definitely farmland. What kind of bread? Farm. Parisian bread? Well, basically, they send the grain back. Granary? And then they just make whatever bread they want okay. <laughs> on Earth after the grain's been sent from Mars. So mm. that's basically what it is. So there's lots of farmland on Mars. Is the, is the bread red? A, it's Earth grain that they've right. taken to Mars Not to grow. Grain. No, no, no. This is one of the problems. There was bacteria on Mars mm. when they got there. It's incredibly poisonous to humans. And some people, after eating Martian food, have died. Right. Very suddenly. And David Starr is basically going to investigate that. And he finds a whole... Um, a lot of things on Mars. Um, that there are actually Martians. Not just humans that have gone there. There are actually like native Martians who live deep underground. And they live this kind of inner life. Because they're mostly non corporeal mm-hmm. and they are kind of pure energy yeah and that's the bit that seems so much like star trek to me because like i could just really imagine uh, an old original series set with um, captain kirk trying to talk to these voices that are just coming <laughs> out of nowhere and that's what it's like and then there's the the female voice is a bit more interested in him than the than the male <laughs> ones that's like, definitely like that captain kirk, then, captain kirk. Yeah. yeah and Basically, they, they help him out, um, these Martians do. And this is the bit I really wasn't expecting. Um, you think a space ranger, that would just be him um, going around as himself. But the space ranger is like his alter ego. So what happens okay. is the um, the Martians give him this really good visor that kind of expands into a full suit. That it looks kind of smoky mm. and it's... Um, it's like laser proof and everything and it, like hides his identity it protects him from all all kinds of things and like when he puts this on he's completely unrecognizable mm. so then he, he like becomes the space ranger <laughs> when he's got that on and uh he like pretends that he doesn't like, that it's not really him and the stuff like he'll talk to people and, and he's saying uh yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to be there, but the Space Ranger has told me that he may make an appearance <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that. It's like the classic kind of superhero alter Ego yeah. type of thing. So I think that's going to be quite interesting to read the um the following books mm-hmm. and see kind of how that develops. And they follow the same character, do they? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. So um yeah, I just really wasn't expecting it to be that kind of superhero type mm. thing. And there's a, a few other things that I thought was interesting. Yeah, the fact that um, Mars was there for growing food and that's because I think this is set 5,000 years in the future which seems really far now um, a lot of sci-fi that we watch will be a few hundred years yeah. in the future and that's when Star Trek is and yet the Earth's population is 5 billion you uh-huh. know so it's gone down over time well it just went up by less than it did from the 50s yeah. that they thought it would Um Yeah, it's it's strange, Um, and yet they think they need Mars and these other places in the solar system to grow enough food Mm. to sustain a population of five billion. As as we know, more than enough to sustain seven billion. Yeah, Yeah, that's it. So there's a a few. Just it's just interesting to see what people's vision of the future was, and just to see how we made advances that they didn't really foresee Mm. at the time and yet we don't zip around space like they do in this but then oh, give us time it's uh, it's not mm. 5000 years in the future yet so essentially so. they underestimated how much
0: well, they overestimated our you know ability to study technology and our ways of developing space travel mm-hmm. but they vastly underestimated our need to sleep around and reproduce uh yeah well yeah, that's basically might be what it is, but um... which I suppose in a way fits with the fifties kind of mentality. Yeah, yeah. Of, you know the way people were back then, um, mor- You know, morally, the way that the ethics were around uh, family life. Yeah, I suppose they probably wouldn't I... have anticipated such a, a surge in in the population. Mm. Well.
1: <laughs> That's, that's a strange thing. We're going into some pretty deep discussions now, aren't we? Well, one, of, one of the strange... When I've read Asimov in the past, yeah. uh, it was things like Foundation and uh, the robot mm. books. I think especially in Foundation, I found it a little bit difficult to relate to a lot of the characters mm. in that because they were such 50s guys and stuff and uh, the values were still from that time. Mm. And yet it was kind of in, in the future. And I mean, now... I just see that as very interesting. Yeah. But when I was younger it that was a bit kind of confusing. It yeah. kind of detracted from the story a bit. Mm. Aside from the fact that the whole mathematics thing in foundation is very strange and uh, I was trying to wrap my head around how that could possibly work and then realized it doesn't work. Just just go with it. So <laughs> <laughs> and that's a bit of the attitude that I had when I was reading this as well. So yeah, this is classic sci-fi but also very much a space fantasy also superhero and also just a vision of our future from the 50s basically. So. I do think
0: from what you said and the idea of having this space ranger with his special suit and everything it sounds like the kind of book that
1: if I'd found when I was a kid mm. I would have probably absolutely loved it. Yeah this is probably why I read this so fast yeah. <laughs> it's just it was it was incredibly readable and fast-paced mm. and yeah so the next one is the Pirates of the Asteroid. So, um, and they that were combines the... two things that I really enjoy. <laughs> yeah, than basically... me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good words. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, they were the the ones who killed David Star's parents. So now that he's got his <gasps> space ranger... Yeah, yeah, well. Spoiler more... alert.
0: Don't drop some don't drop an emotional bomb on us like
1: that without some sort of spoiler alert. Yeah, I think you needed to get to like page fourteen before you would have found that out, but Still sorry. Still
0: <laughs> we've just been getting to know this character and all of a sudden his parents are dead?
1: Who mm. is this Batman? <laughs> <laughs> Actually it's pre Batman as well. No, it's not, it's not, it's not. It's not it? pre Batman. No, no. Pre-Batman. That's all right then. Um but yeah, pre Batman's um,
0: emotional angst.
1: <laughs> yeah, David Starr was brought up by the uh science what is it? The Ministry of Science or something. Uh They sound ab- like good people to raise kids. <laughs> yeah. Now they are inc- a fun and safe environment. Yeah. But they are incredibly powerful in, mm. in this. They're basic they basically kind of rule Earth, so um yeah, basically he is quite a powerful agent in and of itself. But he is also the Space Ranger, so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just thought that was quite a, an interesting book that was reading uh this week. So I thought I would talk about that while that was all still fresh in my mind. Yeah. Brilliant. And there will be more probably more classic sci fi in a while. Yeah. I d I don't know what I'm gonna talk about uh next but Neither um, do I. <laughs> you better get reading. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Alright, so thank so, you.
0: That was Time Talk with Isaac Asimov, Space Ranger. Thank you for joining us. Farewell, Questa. To find out about other productions by the Middlesome Meeples, then check out our channel or rendezvous with us at middlesomeeples.com. Until next time, Questa, farewell, and keep thine axe sharp.